Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. In a marriage between two followers of Jesus, our foundation is Jesus. We rest upon him and his word, trying to discern his will for our life. And this is hard at times. We're still human and and have to deal with our own natural minds and cravings, putting them into subjection to God. And at times we really screw up, but we know where to go. We go to Jesus. We have dedicated our lives to him. And part of that life that we live is understanding that whatever we go through, if we keep our eyes on him, he will bring us through it. This preserves our marriages by refocusing us from the negatives in our lives to the positives in Jesus. We are winding down until that day we enter into eternity. And most people I know who keep striving to follow Jesus have decent marriages if both are doing so. But that's not the case with many people and many people in churches. Some of them lack a basic understanding of salvation by grace through faith. They get into this legalism or conforming to all these unnecessary rules like the leaders in Jesus' day imposed upon the people, not understanding what it means to actually be born again, a child of God through faith in Jesus, the new creation that has come about. And this puts them really in the same category as unbelievers. And there are unbelievers that have strong marriages usually because they operate under the same principles of self-sacrifice, love, commitment, respect, etc. The main advantage of the couple who are both believers isn't that they're better people. Rather, they have the Holy Spirit within them, guiding them through life and giving them strength. Think about a professional football game where the coach has a headset and can communicate with others that have a different vantage point. They can see things the coach can't. This is really helpful for the coach to have those extra set of eyes. So too, with the believer, we have God's perspective being relayed to us, pointing out things we don't know. Psalm 31.3, For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you lead me and guide me. Psalm 73.24, You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you receive me to glory. John 16.13, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So right there, we see that God's perspective is much bigger and broader than ours, and he can guide us places that we don't even know about. But for many in the church who are ignorant, both unwillingly and willingly ignorant, without the Holy Spirit, how can we expect to be led by God and discern the directions for our lives? How can we expect to have a godly marriage? How can we expect to have a good marriage? We know who we are deep inside, and there's nothing good in us. But when the Holy Spirit comes in us, that goodness of God is now within us. And without the Holy Spirit, we have to trust in our own understanding instead of God. And this is why we see marriages crumbling in churches. So what happens when a believer's marriage explodes? Where do we go and what do we do? I believe a great place to start is to ask the question, do I want to work this out or do I want out? Because the solutions may be different. 
and lying about it isn't going to make it any better. There are logical reasons why a person may want out of a marriage and divorce may seem to be a better solution on the surface. However, believers are bound to Christ and doing the will of God. So the real question is, in the situation, what does God want? And this is where you will see a believer's true colors. If they are seeking the will of God, then they're on the right track. If they're running from God, they are not. And now they're off wandering someplace and the devil is all over them trying to get them to go against the will of God and it's working. I've got a good friend who's in heaven now. Years ago when we met, he had just surrendered his life to Christ and he was on fire. And he was an older guy about this time. And as I got to know him and his passion for Jesus, I waited for it to wear off or at least subside a little bit because that happens a lot with new believers. But it didn't with him. He became very active in sharing his new faith with everybody. And as a result, a lot of people came to Jesus because of him. They just saw this crazy change in his life and he was willing to share it. And he still loved his old crowd dearly and he shared with all of them. And he and I began to serve in ministry together and the Lord blessed it. And it was really cool. Then he told me that his wife wanted a divorce and I had not met his wife. She had not come to the Lord. While everyone else loved the new life and my friend, his wife didn't. And she wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And prior to him surrendering to Jesus, he was not a good husband by his own admission. And he sought the Lord, got people praying for him and his wife, but to no avail. She insisted, and they eventually divorced, and it turned ugly. However, my friend stayed focused on Jesus, made it through the divorce, and as far as I could tell, he was doing what God would have him doing. He stayed on track ministering for Jesus until he died. 1 Corinthians 7.12, To the rest I say I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of the wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. So in a situation where one spouse is an unbeliever and the other is not, When the marriage erupts and the unbeliever wants to be done, then the believer can simply let go and say, fine, let's be done. The key is the last part of that verse. God has called you to peace. And living with a hateful spouse is not something that brings about peace. God wants what is best for a marriage, but he also understands the hardness of our hearts and knows that in certain situations, the believing spouse as well as the unbelieving spouse are going to suffer far worse if they stay married than they would if they divorce. But throughout the kingdom of God, there are people who are legitimate children of God that have good marriages resurrected from the ashes by the power of God. And I know a few of them. They had horrible marriages, multiple affairs, domestic abuse on both sides, and much more. Some families were pleading with them to divorce their evil spouses, but something happened. One or both came to Jesus and heard the Lord's voice telling them to trust him and he would work things out. And one of them is a good friend of mine who is a terrible husband and not a good man. The Lord met him where he was and opened his eyes showing him the evil that was controlling him, which he was obeying, and also showed him that following the Lord was his new role. And he stepped out in faith. God did the work in his life. He began calling his wife, who was not living with him, and telling her what happened at the same time the Lord was working on her heart, and what transpired was an absolute miracle. Their marriage revived, and now years later, they are still in love and serving the Lord. So what's the secret? They both had a heart to listen to Jesus and trust him. And it took a while, but they are now solid in their marriage and in the Lord because they learned how to trust him, not just in their marriage, but in everything. Luke eighteen twenty seven. but he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. 
Their decision was not to become church people, rather to commit their life to Jesus. And in doing so, they committed their lives to one another. And there was a complete reversal of their direction. And that's what repentance is, turning a 180 and walking in the other direction. They did it, and it worked, just like the scriptures say. Peter preached a powerful message to those in Jerusalem who had gathered for the Feast of Pentecost, which they did every year. God had just healed a lame man through Peter in the presence of many who were there, and they were amazed. And Peter, using their amazement as an opportunity to share the truth of Jesus, commands them to, in Acts 3.19, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Notice the progression. Repent first. Stop. Reflect. Realize the current path is wrong. Turn and walk in the other direction. The result? Their sins will be blotted out. They're forgiven. We need to remember many of the problems in marriage have some degree of sin intertwined. Therefore, getting rid of the sin is like getting rid of the cancer in a sick body. The body and the marriage, they become healthy again when the sin or the cancer is taken out. If a couple's marriage problems seem hopeless, but they want it to work, this is the first thing that must happen. Get rid of the sin in our own hearts first. And once this happens, what does Peter say then happens? Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Christ appointed for you. Jesus was appointed to mankind to save us. And he said in John twelve forty seven, If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Jesus is not interested in judging people, rather saving us from the eternal separation from God, as well as delivering us from our own selfishness, which is toxic in a marriage. And that's the leading cause of all kinds of problems, being selfish. So the answer to recovering from a marriage that's going down in flames is to first deal with the sin in our own hearts, getting that relationship right with God first, then denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Him. If we do that, we are now under His care and guidance. If the other spouse does the same thing, then that marriage is now in the hands of Jesus, and He will begin to carve the path for new life. And to the marriage where one person gets saved and the other wants nothing to do with it, then that person that gets saved, seek the Lord and fight for your marriage and be led by the Spirit. And then let God make the call. It's a whole lot better that way. Thank you.